Good morning. Welcome to Bethlehem Lutheran Church, where God has called and gathered us here this day to receive his gifts through his word and his sacrament. The Old Testament reading for the Feast of St. Michael and All Angels is from Daniel chapters 10 and 12. And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia, and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never has been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from Revelation, is from the Revelation to St. John, chapter 12. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 18th chapter. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And, calling to him a child, he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world for temptations to sin, for it is necessary that temptations come, but woe to the one by whom the temptation comes. And if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. 
It is better for you to enter life crippled or lame than with two hands or two feet to be thrown into the eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into the hell of fire. See that you do not despise one of these little ones, for I tell you that in heaven their angels always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the Son of Man came to save the lost. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? We hear this question come up fairly frequently in our Sunday readings, don't we? And it's almost always the disciples who are asking the question. And to be fair to them, it's probably a fairly common question that pops up in our own heads as well. On some levels, though, it's sort of a silly question, isn't it? I mean, it's fairly obvious who the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is, right? Obviously, it's God. Or maybe you're thinking about who's the greatest human in the kingdom of heaven. Well, in that case, we're talking about Jesus. All right, greatest person in heaven who's not God and not human well, then we'd probably be looking at the person who we're celebrating on this feast day, St. Michael the Archangel. Except, none of that is what Jesus says, is it? When the disciples ask him who the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is, he doesn't point to God, he doesn't point to himself, he doesn't even point to Michael or any of the angels. No, Jesus actually calls into his presence a child. And not just any child, either. A paideon, which is the Greek word for a young child. Potentially even as young as a toddler. And then Jesus points to that boy and says, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Not God, not Jesus, not St. Michael or the archangels, a child. You know, there's this false belief out there that when we die, we become angels. We never see any evidence of that anywhere in Scripture. And in fact, we see quite a few things that would contradict that. And for the most part, it is a way that people are trying to deal with their grief. Oftentimes, their grief over losing a child. And that's where I most frequently hear that. And as often happens, grief can warp and affect things in such a way that it causes us to not really contemplate what we're saying. For instance, when we think about people becoming angels, and particularly children becoming angels after they die and go to heaven, we are forgetting that angels are servants, but that we, sons and daughters of the Lord, 
our family. All angels, even St. Michael the Archangel, who in Daniel is described as one of the chief princes, are still primarily servants and messengers of the Most High God. Meanwhile, we humans, thanks to what Jesus did on the cross for us, are now adopted into the very family of God. We are the very sons and daughters of the King, the King who sends his servants and messengers, the angels, to guard and defend us. So on this day, what else can we know about angels then? The very word angel tells us quite a bit about them. Both the Hebrew word malachim and the Greek word angelos mean the same thing, messenger. And the vast majority of the time that we see angels in Scripture, this is what they are doing. They are serving as messengers. Even demons are often simply serving as the messengers of a temptation or a false doctrine. But what actually are these creatures? Well, we know that they are, in fact, creatures. They are, in fact, created beings. Though we aren't sure what day they were created on. We know that they are spirits, that they have no physical bodies, though that they can appear to when they desire. And we also know that there are different types of angels. Seraphim and cherubim, for example, are two different types of angels. We also know, of course, there are good angels, which we usually just refer to as angels, and evil angels, which we usually refer to as demons. Along with that, we know that there are leaders of the good and bad angels. The leader of the good angels is Michael the archangel, while the leader of the evil angels goes by many names, the devil, Satan, Beelzebul, Lucifer, and so on. And we know that at some point before the fall, but after creation, before Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit, that there was a rebellion in heaven, and that the devil led away a sizable minority of the angels. In the Old Testament, It appears that the devil, and likely his demons as well, still had some sort of access to God. We see this in Job, where the devil is able to come and stand before God. However, in our epistle reading for today, we see the end of that. Our reading from Revelation occurs in the timeline of Revelation directly after the coming of the Christ. When Jesus came and accomplished his mission, the salvation of all mankind, St. Michael and the hosts of heaven enforced the victory that Jesus had won on the cross. The devil and all his demons were cast out of heaven and are no longer allowed to stand before God and accuse us. Our sins have been paid for by the sacrifice of the Son of God. There is no longer anything to accuse us of because all of our sin has been atoned for by Jesus' death on the cross. However, 
This means that the devil and his demons are now here on earth, running around and causing problems for us. The devil and his minions' goal at this point is to simply take as many of us down with them to hell as possible, to try and hurt God by destroying as many of his children as they can. And, unsurprisingly, God's goal, and therefore the Michael and the angels' goals, is to get as many of God's children into eternal life as possible. And so, the war between the angels continues. The devil and his demons trying to get as many people to hell as possible, and Michael and his angels trying to get as many people to heaven as possible. However, it is important to understand how the angels fight this war. Remember that they are, for the most part, messengers. Which means that, for the most part, they fight the spiritual battle that is going on all around us with words. And in fact, both sides' message is fairly simple to articulate. The good angels will always say something along the lines of, And God said. While the devil and his demons will always ask a simple question. Did God really say? This is why it's so incredibly important for you to know the word of God and what it truly says. This is actually the primary reason that you come to worship on Sundays like this. To hear the word of God, that you might learn it and understand it. So that if someone comes to you and says, and God said you can know whether or not that person is telling the truth, whether they're a human being that's speaking it to you or an angel. And of course, it goes the other way as well. You learn the word of God so that when someone asks you, did God really say, you can know whether or not he did and can defend yourself against the attacks of the false prophets, the devil and his demons. Recognize, though, that we have an advantage the likes of which the devil and his demons cannot stand against. You see, another one of those silly ideas that floats around is that the devil is somehow just as powerful as God himself. And that's quite simply not true. Though, of course, he'll try to convince you otherwise. If anything, the devil is on the same level as Michael. And it's probably worth mentioning that Michael and his angels cast the devil and his demons out of heaven. The truth of the matter is that while the devil is certainly more powerful than we are, that he is nothing compared to our God. Our God who cared enough about us to send his only begotten son into the world to save the world who created us knowing that eventually his son would have to die in order to save us, who even still this day is caring for and protecting us. The devil is nothing compared to God. 
And eventually, he will be thrown into the eternal fire and bound there for eternity. The question, of course, for us is where are we going to be for eternity? After all, the angels are so fascinating to us because they are so different than us. And in many ways, they are the stuff of fantasy and myth, and yet they are real. And the same goes for the devil and his demons. It's easy to fall into the trap of peering too deep into the darkness and inviting that evil into your life. Evil that is real and more dangerous than nearly anything else in this world. But ultimately, the question for us isn't about angels and demons. The question for us is really quite simple. Do we believe what God has told us in his word, or do we not? The angels are trying to get us to believe, and the demons are trying to get us to doubt. But Jesus is on our side. And this is the advantage that we have that the devil and his demons cannot stand against. The angels are also on Jesus' side, but Jesus is the one who died for us. The one who has not just left us alone in this world to try and figure things out by ourselves. He has come to us through his word with the specific purpose of creating that belief inside of us to create that faith inside of us, to give us the trust in him that we need in order to be with him forever. Jesus is the one who gives us warnings like the ones found in our gospel reading for today. Warnings about the consequences of causing a believer, and particularly a child, to sin. Warnings about being the one who brings temptation to a person. And warnings about despising believers and particularly children who believe. Because, you see, Jesus cares for them. Jesus cares for us. And Jesus is the most powerful human being in all of creation. He is God himself made flesh, the incarnate word of God, who with a very few simple words quoted from Scripture sent the devil running with his tail between his legs. The very man who is God, who died on the cross for you because he cares for you. This is the strong man who is on your side. The strong man who lives in you thanks to your hearing of the word, your baptism into him, and your continual partaking of his body and blood in, with, and under the bread and wine. We are not angels, and will never be angels. We are the ones who God has sent the angels to protect. We are the children of God, and therefore, as the faithful servants of our God that they are, the angels guard and protect us willingly and joyfully. Therefore, trust in the Lord who has sent his angels to guard you, the Lord who has sent his Son to die for you, the Lord who is even now sending his word and his sacraments to you to ensure that you will forever be with him. For he will continue to be faithful to you 
and he will continue to strengthen your faith. In order that with St. Michael and all the angels, we may one day too join together in praising our Lord and living with him forever into eternity. Now may the peace which passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.